0: Hey there future fans, this week the hero is a villain, James Bond multiplies, and we get the next generation of gaming consoles. This is the week of December 13th, 2019, and you are listening to episode 159 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show we have a we have kind of a ninja week for movies why is it a ninja week because i did not see this one coming i thought it was going to be another meh week um, besides the big one there's one big one i was aware of but then when i was working on the notes i noticed that there's actually a lot of very interesting things and there are a couple actually indie movies Okay, maybe not indie movies per se, maybe not all of them are indie, but at least movies that aren't huge, wide releases that look really good. So this is another week where we have more movies in the limited section, but I'm going to try to keep it short, because I do have a lot to do this week, but I thought I didn't want to cancel the episode just because I might end up cancelling next week, seen as it's the week before Christmas, so I might actually take a two-week break for christmas we'll see so if next week no episode comes out do not be surprised and i am very sorry to to inconvenience you so much to do the terrible terrible tragedy the terrible crime of not putting out an episode because i know you rely on my show to survive it's like air for you it's like water for you and you need this i know this and i deprive you and i'm sorry but i do hope you understand. Well, like I said, it is a really good week for movies, so let us just jump into the intro and then we can get on with the news. So you are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam. This is a show about movies, and what do we do here, and what does it have to do with movies? Well, first we always start off with a little introduction, which you've already heard, then we go into the news and the trailers, that's any new movie news and any new movie trailers that have dropped since the last episode, then we go into the movies I talk about all of the movies coming out during the week, and I break them up into two categories. Those are the limited releases and the wide releases and interesting indies. In both of those segments, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it, but that's where the limited section stops. In the wide releases section, I talk a little more. I give my thoughts on the movie, and then I wrap it all up with a little score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, a.k.a. the Bill Score. That score can go anywhere from a zero to those awful movies to an 11 for those movies that make me so excited and thankful that I live in a world with movies. We then wrap it all up with a question of the week, and then I send you along your way to the other great shows in the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network, as well as the wonderful friends of the show. So without further ado, let us step into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. The first story comes to us from comicbook.com. We now have a working title for Matt Reeves' Batman movie. The working title is The Batman Vengeance. Though please keep in mind that a working title is not a title set in stone that can still change, but as of right now, it is called The Batman Vengeance. This next story comes to us from CNBC. It turns out Playmobil has bombed at the box office. Weird, right? I mean, even though I did admit on last episode that I thought the movie looked fun, that it could potentially be good, that by no means meant that it was going to do well, and it it flopped so bad that it's being called one of the worst movie openings in decades, and CNBC actually came up with a list of movies that did worse. So STX, the distributor of the film, said that it expects that the movie will haul in 668000 for its three-day weekend domestic opening And according to this article from cnbc only the oogie lovers in the big balloon adventure delgo and the 10-year re-release of saw had worse opening weekends now please keep in mind that this article should be taken with a grain of salt in regards to terrible opening weekends because we also don't know what criteria this is going off of does this include documentaries like there's one documentary this week one of the few movies in the limited release section that i really doubt will do over 668000 in a three-day weekend domestically. So I kind of want to know what criteria CNBC used for this. And then if you remember, there's that story I talked about that I know I read, and I remember talking about it on the show, but I can't remember the source. And I, I will probably hunt for this for my dying day. I even forgot about which episode of the show it was on but i remember saying that ghostbusters the 2016 version said that it it, lots of people believed it bombed and i mean it kind of did but also there were other movies that even that very year that did similar opening weekends and were hailed for uh, winning the box office weekend so the only fact that we can take away from this article the only thing that we can take as a as truth is that stx the distributor of the film did say that they believed Playmobil would make a $668,000 opening weekend over three days. The rest of it, like I said, take it with a grain of salt. In sad news, if you haven't heard, actor René Abagenois has passed away. He was known for his roles mainly actually in Star Trek, uh, Deep Space Nine. He was Odo. Uh, He was in Boston Legal. He was in, oh, he did actually a lot of voices, too, for video games and for cartoons. But he passed away on the 8th at the age of 79. This next story comes to us from Andy Wire. Producer, writer, and director George Miller has said that he is indeed working on another Mad Max movie, though he is taking a hiatus from it. He has confirmed that they are going to work on another movie, this being called Mad Max The Wasteland. Part of the reason this movie is being pushed back so long is because of the lawsuit that's been going on between Miller's Production Company and Warner Brothers. If you don't remember, let me break it down for you really quick. Miller's Production Company claimed that it was eligible for a $9 million bonus after they delivered Fury Road under Their agreed budget of 157 million. So the agreement was if they make it under budget. They will get a bonus. They did it. They never got the bonus. But Warner Brothers and Kennedy Miller Mitchell, which apparently is an Australian production company, they claim the reason that Miller's company is not eligible for the $9 million is because that the agreement was that they would produce a 100-minute PG-13 film, and what they gave instead was a 120-minute R-rated film. So yeah, there's that. Also, this article, if you're interested, this article reveals that George Miller did talk about the backstory for, if you remember in Fury Road, that guy hanging from that weird contraption thing playing the guitar. George Miller talked about his backstory, so if you're interested in it, check out this article, once again, from IndieWire. And ladies and gentlemen, a follow-up to a story that I believe I talked about last week regarding Aladdin star Mena Musaad not being able to get an audition, There is more upset here this time the anger as is, is aimed at disney kind of kind of a disney because disney has announced an aladdin spin-off show based on billy magnuson's character so if you don't immediately understand why that's a cause for anger let, let me explain let me explain why people are angry then i will tell you why i both agree and disagree i'm actually going to take the switzerland approach in this one and uh, not take sides not really So, Menemusad, the star of Aladdin, an Egyptian actor who starred in a huge success for Disney, so he can't get auditions. And let me say right now, this is not Disney's fault. It is not Disney's fault that he cannot get auditions. So, that story was released last week. This week, Disney oh so poorly chose to announce that they were giving a character from Aladdin, not Aladdin himself, but a different character from the movie, a spinoff. Now, a white character, one of the few white characters in this movie is getting a spinoff. So that is what a lot of people have focused on. That A, Menemusad, or Masoud, Masaud, am I saying it wrong, Masoud, Whatever, I'll keep on saying it that way. Menemusad has not been able to get any auditions Yet the own one of the only white people in the entire movie is getting a spin-off show. So let me say this first. Disney does not deserve the hate for this. Here's Disney's reasoning. Though the timing of this story is really unfortunate for them, but their reasoning is that Billy Magnuson played this kind of dopey, handsome prince that does have potential for a, a, a Maybe a short TV show on Disney+. Plus. That's fine. There is nothing wrong with that. And the reason I say there's nothing wrong with that is because if you take any of the other, ma- the, the bigger characters from Aladdin and try to do a spinoff, I think it could come off really poorly. Not poorly in the press per se, but poorly as in trying to force it. So then what they risk is kind of ruining the legacy of a favorite character from the movie. So instead, they take this character who didn't really matter, who for all intents and purposes you could take out of the movie and would be fine, also an interesting character who could potentially be very funny, who they can make a mindless and ultimately meaningless TV show about, and it would not affect the main product at all, so they want to take him then to make some extra bucks. Sure, okay, I get that. But I am still kind of outraged, along with Menemusad, that he's not getting any auditions. Like, he's good, why is he not getting more? There's the obvious argument that he is a person of color and we don't live in a colorblind world. I I don't want to go with that argument because we can't prove it. And I don't want to start assuming things like that all the time. Because you know what? Maybe it's true. Who knows? It could very well be the truth that that is the reason. But I do not want to live in a world where I assume that as the first thing. And I feel that if I assume that as one of the first things that comes out of my brain, if that's just one of my... Needric reactions. I think I would just eventually implode with with self-induced social justice rage. So whatever the reason, I I am on Menemusad's side. I believe he should at least be getting auditions. At least show that that Hollywood saw him in this movie. Realize that yes, he did a good job and deserves a chance. And unfortunately, because of these two stories coming out back to back, it is now, in my opinion, too late for Disney to try and do anything about it. For Disney to go, hey, why don't we give you a spinoff? Why don't we put you in another show? Because then it would look like Disney's just feeling sorry for him and throwing him a bone. Anyway, let's, let's talk about something happier. Let's talk about this story from People Magazine. Ladies and gentlemen, we are getting a sequel to the Netflix original Christmas movie, The Christmas Chronicles. This so far is being called, wait for it, The Christmas Chronicles 2, and it is set to star Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. No news yet if the kids are returning, but at least Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn are returning. Chris Columbus is returning to work on the movie, at least as a director. I don't know if he has any other involvement in it besides directing, but apparently Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn are bringing a lot of love and laughter to the set. So, aww. This next story comes to us from comicbook.com. J.J. Abrams addresses the rumors that he is going to work on the next Superman movie. He says, and I quote, I have not had one official conversation with Warners at all about this, but people have asked me this question and I know that we, Bad Robot, we recently signed a deal with Warner Media. We will begin in earnest all discussions about what's coming next. He goes on to say but i know no more than you do about what's next certainly in terms of dc i would like to see jj abrams take over superman i would i would like to see henry cavill return because i believe henry cavill is a amazing superman and one of my all-time favorite people who have ever played superman including tom welling from smallville and i love smallville one of my favorite shows of all time but i think that henry cavill is a better superman Okay, that's kind of not fair, because Tom Welling was more Clark Kent before Superman, so okay, so I love them equally. In a recent interview, this according to IndieWire, Martin Scorsese doubles down on two of the biggest complaints about the Irishman. The first is the runtime, and the second is Anna Paquin's one line of dialogue. He said when it comes to runtime, they kept in mind that this was a Netflix movie, so they were taking advantage of the venue. That is to say, people can pause and go to the bathroom or get snacks whenever they want. And apparently, I never knew this, but apparently movies that are too long, some theaters don't even show them because it f***s up with their timing so much. As you can assume, as we can all assume, timing is very, very important for the movie theater industry. So uh, supposedly, movies that run long, like three hours plus movies, kind of with things. So Scorsese knew that this would not be an issue with it being a Netflix movie. Regarding Anna Paquin's one line of dialogue, he says that she doesn't need to say anything to make an impact. Also, he purposely requested that this character, supposedly in the writing for the movie before Paquin was cast, that... Peggy had no lines. That instead, okay, actually, I'm gonna paraphr- a paraphrase because Martin Scorsese gives this this long little uh, speech about Anna Paquin in the movie and gives specific examples. But basically, what he's saying is that her her impact in the film isn't shown through dialogue, but her more of her reactions to everything and the fact that she knows she knows what's going on. She knows things that she's not supposed to know, and Scorsese made it so that she shows it instead of saying it. An interesting note, some of you may remember that I have a friend who is a former movie critic. Yes, the kind of people I hate, and we bitch about movies all the time, but he watched The Irishman going into it expecting to love it, and he said it was a mess, and it was awful, and he said you can see Scorsese in it, you can see his touch, you can see his style, but the movie was just a mess. I'll see this sometime after Christmas, as Anne and I are prioritizing Christmas movies, but, um... You know what, we'll see. In news from Games Radar, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker will introduce new force powers that J.J. Abrams believes will infuriate some people. So basically, the story is saying that new things are being introduced in the new Star Wars movie and will make people mad. In similar news, water is wet and Frankenstein's monster thinks fire is bad. God, poor J.J. Abrams. He never, he honestly never had a chance. Ever. I've said it before. I'm saying it now, I'm going to say it the week The Rise of Skywalker comes out, that Star Wars fans hate Star Wars. So yeah, J.J. Abrams can invent new force powers that could be through official canon could be possible, but people would still hate it because it's new. Though one of the examples he gives is Rey's jumping, and uh, just on that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Abrams, but force jumping is a thing. Luke does it. Obi Wan does it. Qui Gon Jinn does it. Darth Maul does it. Yoda. Darth Sidious. So many people who can use the Force use the Force jump. That is not new. Let's move on to a quick story from Indie Wire. Apparently, you heard that Tom Holland was the reason that Disney and uh, and Sony made up. So apparently, that phone call was made by a drunk and crying tom holland who called bob Iger, he called f-ing bob Iger, and cried to him on the phone expressing his sorrow that spider-man may not be in the mcu and apparently his speech made bob Iger cry and they bas- he basically made sony and disney kiss and make up I love that story so much. I love Tom Holland. Oh, I love Tom Holland. And I I hope he never does anything to break my heart. I hope he stays this wonderful, awesome person. And I I hope that no awful stories come out about him. And I just wish any phone call I have ever made, drunk and crying, had any sort of impact. But no, his his apparently do. All right, my future friends, we have a couple stories left. But guess what is in the news again? Guess what? Yes, the Snyder Cut. The... Snyder cut is still in the news. A cinematographer for the Justice League say that the theatrical cut that was released, well, in theaters, threw out 90% of Zack Snyder's footage. So you know what that means? We're not going to hear anything remotely close to the end of this story for some time. And a quickie from Cinema Blend: Henry Cavill still wants to play the Man of Steel because, duh, he's f***ing awesome. And a interesting story I never thought I'd hear from Out.com Gay Christmas movies may be coming to the Hallmark Channel, which really surprises me because Hallmark is a religious network. I mean, they may not screen super church movies, but they—they they, it is a religious company for, from the bare bones of it. So good for them. Really good for them. I'm not even being sarcastic with that. I hope this is true because you know what? I've read books about straight romance and gay romance, and there's one thing I know it's that love is awesome. And a love story is still just as cute when it's two dudes or two ladies. In news from Digital Spy, comic book nerds are bitching about the design of Taskmaster in the Black Widow movie. Once again, nerds are angry about something? That's so weird. And there's one story I forgot about, and this is the last one. Justice League director Zack Snyder, where have we heard his name before? I, I don't know. Have we talked about him ever? Probably not. Anyway, he addresses the rumors about the Snyder Cut and if it truly exists. And on the Instagrams, he posted a picture of a bunch of reels of movies and says, Is it real? Does it exist? Of course it does. Yeah, we're not going to hear the end of this sh- No, we're not going to hear the end of this sh- until... Either it gets confirmed that the Snyder Cut's going to be released, or that Warner Brothers completely and 100% puts an end to it by saying no. Well, my future friends, that is it for the news. Let us jump into, uh, actually, our break. I almost skipped it. Let's go into our first break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. Please stay tuned. (laughs)
1: Are you troubled by a lack of common interest in your social sphere? Do you experience feelings of nostalgic sentiment in your day-to-day life? Do your family or coworkers not understand your quotes, quips, or references? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up the phone and download the nerdiest professionals in the galaxy. Somewhat Nerdy Radio Our nerdy and informative hosts are available 24 hours a day on your favorite podcast app to fill all your super nerdy needs. Good Good journey, journey, nerds. Nerds. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio, Future Flicks with Billiam, and Nerds of the Squared Circle on iTunes, SoundCloud, your favorite podcast app, or stream us at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds.
0: And we're back. We are back with everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. We have the first trailer for Ryan Reynolds' new movie, Free Guy. And I cannot wait. This looks so good. This supposedly is one of the last movies from 20th Century Fox. So technically, Disney owns this. And this is a yet unrated? Let me see. I cannot actually see a rating, but it's either heavy PG-13 or soft R. But just kind of imagine if Deadpool and Wreck-It Ralph had the best and most beautiful baby you have ever seen. So we have, we have Ryan Reynolds who plays Guy and he lives in this in this world that's crazy there's guns being fired all the time people are being hit by cars everything's everything's going crazy he finds out that he's an npc inside a brutal open world shooter video game and he decides to fight back this stars Ryan Reynolds of course Taika Waititi Lil Rel Howery Jodie Comer uh, let's see who else anyone else big no one else really big but this movie looks insane I cannot wait. There are some people expressing concerns about this movie, expressing concerns that if it is a PG-13 movie, and it does well, it will show Disney that they don't need to keep Deadpool as a rated R property. I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to go that far and and say that. We have already been told that Deadpool is going to stay rated R, but of course that could always change. But I'm not as concerned about Deadpool staying R as I am, about Deadpool staying honest to itself. Because I can see it still going PG-13 and Deadpool flipping his sh** over it in the movie. But anyway, this is brought to us by director Sean Levy, who's directed some episodes of Stranger Things. He's directed the Night at the Museum movies. He's directed The Internship and Real Steel, Date Night movies like that. And it's written by Matt Lieberman, who wrote... Let's see, what has he written? Oh, he wrote The Christmas Chronicles, which, which we've already talked about this week. Uh, he's he's written The Addams Family, the ones that came out this week. Oh, he wrote that awful-looking Scooby-Doo uh, movie called Scoob. And it looks like he's going to be the writer on the new Short Circuit. A sh- new Short Circuit movie? Are you f***ing kidding me? I swear to God, I swear to God, it better be a reboot, because do not remake Short Circuit. It was perfect the way it was. I don't need another Short Circuit where he's some sort of f***ing Apple product that's gone crazy. Enough about that. We can expect this movie July 3rd next year. Next up in the trove, we have the teaser trailer for The Boys Season 2 and... And I have to say it, I'm excited. I know I had my, my my reservations, my trepidation regarding the boys season one, but I actually really liked it. It wasn't as bad as a lot of people were saying, and I'm not saying bad as in quality wise. I'm saying bad as in gross. Either way, I liked it a lot. Season two is coming out next year, and you know what? We'll watch it then. You know what, folks? I'm just I'm. I'm looking through the YouTubes for any new trailers I may have missed because of course I'm talk- I'm going to talk about the big ones that have come out since the last episode but I want to save those for last but I just saw this video released by Vanity Fair and it was Big Bird takes a lie detector test and that's all I need to know you got me I'm I'm saving that video for later did that sound sexual? That shouldn't have sounded sexual. I'm just going to save that and watch it later. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm just really tired. So I've told you, I've mentioned on the show already what what I do at the store, that I work at a natural food store. I, I used to be the one of the bookkeepers. Now I'm weekend bookkeeper and I work holiday the holiday desk. But we've just lost everyone at the holiday desk but me. So it's just me now. So it's just a little tiring. Well, let's talk about the next movie, which is Mulan. We have a full trailer for Mulan, and oh my god, I have chills. This looks like a honest-to-God great movie. You know, after I got over the way Will Smith looks in uh, looked in Aladdin, I thought it looked like a good movie. I thought Beauty and the Beast looked like a good movie. But that's good as in just a entertaining Disney movie a he- big entertaining Disney film. This looks good on a different level. And I think it's because they're not simply trying to recreate Mulan but in live action. It actually feels like a like a movie in the vein of Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon or House of Flying Daggers. Obviously not that fantastical in its fighting, but it just feels like it feels like if the Mulan cartoon had never been a thing, I would still be equally psyched to see this and honestly i am shocked at how good i think this looks so this stars yifei liu as mulan i'm not too familiar with her i did see forbidden kingdom which she was in but more importantly it looks like she does such a good job that i don't give a flying that i am not familiar with her she looks amazing in this and let's add the fact that we have Donnie yen and jet Li in this What more do you need to know? There's nothing else you need to know. Nothing else is important. Watch a trailer, keep the cast in mind, and also keep in your mind the fact that this somehow doesn't feel like just another live action remake. This feels like the people behind this tried to make an honestly good film, despite the fact that this is based on a Disney cartoon. And you know what? I cannot wait for March 27th when this comes out. Angie said that she said they didn't get Scarlett Johansson to play her, which, of course, she wasn't serious. She was referring to Scarlett Johansson in Ghosts in the Shell. But then, uh, sweetie, I'm going to fire back with the fact that they didn't get that they didn't get Emma Stone to play her because we all know Emma Stone's Chinese. You see, you see, friends, that even though I didn't think the Emma Stone thing was as big of a deal as a lot of people did, I can still joke about it. And you know what, my feature friends, there, there were quite a few trailers that came out, but I, I, I have to focus more time on the final two trailers, so let's just skip the rest for now, because I don't think there's anything big that I missed. So let's focus on the two most important ones, aside from Mulan, that is. The first is Wonder Woman 1984, the official trailer came out, and yes, this looks better than Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman was great. Wonder Woman showed us... That DC could get out of its own way, that uh, that Warner Brothers could get out of its own way and let a good movie be made. They showed that and they went and f***ed it up again, but they showed us that they could do it. Now, it looks like they're letting it happen again, that they're not fucking up another movie, that this looks really good. So we have Gal Gadot looking great as always. She is She is amazing. She is a great actress. She is Wonder Woman. I talk about how much I love Henry Cavill as Superman, and I did like Ben Affleck as Batman. I would scrap both of them if it meant keeping Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, because she is so good as that character. So this trailer showed me a movie that was so 80s that I felt like I should go out and see if I can find some new coke, because maybe... It's really the 80s again. So the trailer doesn't show us how Chris Pine comes back. But Chris Pine's back. That's all I care about. Is it some sort of trick? Is it a hallucination on her part? Is it really him, but he's a ghost and he's going to die again? Whatever. I'm just glad we're seeing Chris Pine again. We saw Chris and Wig, but we didn't see Chris and Wig as Cheetah. And I'm fine with that. Let's save a little for let's save a little for the movie we see pedro pascal he's playing max lord i'm not going to break down this trailer like i have other ones i've been super excited for but all i will say is that if this is the only trailer we see is if this is it until the film comes out it's all i need to see that's it i am i am now set i am sold on this film the summer of 2020 so far is going to be dope all right it's going to be huge this comes out june 5th the next movie we're talking about comes out july 10th i believe four days before my f-ing birthday i think i know what i'm doing on my birthday seeing the next movie but before that i'm going to see wonder woman 1984 and i'm going to love it all right as, as much as i would have actually loved to break down the wonder woman 1984 trailer we all know what we have to talk about. We all know what that is. It's the Ghostbusters Afterlife mother trailer came out today and my nerd boner was so huge, it could be seen from space. It is the ninth wonder of the modern world. I I am sold on this. Okay, you all know that I famously uh, I famously don't agree with with the somewhat nerdy crew about the 2016 Ghostbusters movie, that I like it. So I liked that as an entertaining film, as a sci-fi comedy. This looks good on an entirely different plane of existence, especially because we now know how they're tying this in to the original. So if you did not see this, if you did not see the trailer yet, pause right now and watch it. Okay, pause right now, watch the trailer, because I'm about to talk about it and what we have learned. So what we have learned is that this takes place in a small town. A family is not doing very well, and they end up moving there because apparently they're the, mo- the mother of the family, her grandpa. I'm not certain if it's her grandpa or her dad, and so it's the grandpa for, the- for her kids. But anyway, her... One of her relatives, be it her dad or her grandfather, has a house that they move into. Weird stuff is happening in this city. The two kids stumble upon a ghost trap in their home. Paul, Rud- They show it to Paul Rudd, who's their teacher. He knows what it is, and he goes online, shows them old videos from the 80s that just happens to be scenes from Ghostbusters. And that's when we find out that McKenna Grace and Finn Wolfhard are related to Dr. Egon f***ing Spangler, the head Ghostbuster. Did I get choked up watching the trailer? I'm going to lie to you and say no, I didn't. Because I think this is a perfect, I think this is a perfect nod to Harold Ramis. I think Harold Ramis would approve of this were he still alive. So this trailer shows that ghosts are coming back. This trailer shows that those kids are related To one of the Ghostbusters. It also shows that the equipment and the Ecto-1, the f***ing Ecto-1, is in their house. Well, the Ecto-1's in the barn. And we see the kids driving this thing, chasing a ghost with a proton pack. We see that the Ecto-1 now has a gunner's seat. And I am just... Wondering if I hear some hateful nerd talk shit about this trailer, I'm wondering if I could resist punching them in their face because this, this is what I want. I want this. I want this right now. I want this more than I wanted Avengers Endgame. I want this more than I want Wonder Woman. I want this more than I want another Superman movie with Henry Cavill. Okay, they can take that away. As long as I have this, I am good. This is all I need. And just ask me a question, would I rather have this or another Stargate movie with the cast of SG-1 in it? I would rather have Ghostbusters. I would rather have this because it looks so good. This looks so good that I don't care that they're not just doing a straight sequel where it's just the same group again, sans Egon, of course, and maybe Gozer's coming back. Maybe, maybe it's Vigo again. I-, I like this more than I like that idea. And the end of the trailer, when they're doing the montage, and you hear and you hear the like lines from the first movie, where it says, call it love, call it, no, he says, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. So you hear that in the background, and then you hear the siren for the Ecto-1, that f***ing siren. I could be dying, and I could hear that siren instead of an ambulance. I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll take it. This is just as good. Now we do have to look at the fact, we uh, we do have to acknowledge this, I have to tell you that this still could be trailer guy working his dark voodoo witchcraft, his or her, you know, it could be a woman, we don't know, I, let's be honest, probably a dude because it's such a huge ass, but it could be trailer dude working his magic. And if it is, if this movie actually sucks, and this is him working his magic, I will find him and I will kill him for breaking my heart. But if the movie is at least half as good as the trailer makes it look, it will be everything I have wanted in life. Ghostbusters has been, is, and always will be one of my favorite films, one of my favorite franchises, one of my favorite things in life. So even though in this trailer, we don't see any of the originals. We don't see any of them who have been confirmed to be in the movie. We do know that Bill Murray, Annie Potts, Dan Aykroyd, and Ernie Hudson and Sigourney Weaver, we all know, we know they're returning. This is a fact. Even though we haven't seen any of them in the trailer, I am still stoked for this. And, and something interesting, I was looking down the, the, the cast list, and it has Ernie Hudson's character as Dr. Winston Zedmore. Okay, so this could be one of two things. This could be a, a mistake. Whoever, whoever gave the information for this IMDb page could have made a mistake and went, oh, Dr. Venkman, Dr. Stans, Dr. Zedmore, right? Or we could acknowledge the fact that Ernie Hudson always wanted more for Winston and now he's getting it. If this was the only movie coming out next year, the only film, I would be okay with that. If Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker gets canceled, never comes out, but it means I get this film, I would be okay with it. Ghostbusters Afterlife comes out on July 10th, 2020, and it gets infinity out of 11. All right, future fans, well, that is it for the trailer trove. Let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. Please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomeoneNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling?
1: Yeah! yeah.
0: Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read comms, Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Square Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com And we're back. We are back with the limited releases. And since we have so few movies in the limited section, what I'm going to do, like I've done in the past, is I'm going to talk about the limited movies, then I'm going to go right into the wide releases, talk about maybe four of them, then do our next break. So let's start with the first movie in the limited release section, which is called Cunningham. The iconic Merce Cunningham and the last generation of his dance company is stunningly profiled in Kovgan's 3D documentary. Through recreations of his landmark works and archival footage of Cunningham, John Cage, and Robert... Rauschenberg. This is a documentary that's so behind the time they're still doing things in 3D. If you have any idea who any of these f-ing people are, you may want to watch this. And the next two movies normally would make it in the wide releases because one of them looks interesting, the other is a kind of biggish family film, but they're both only getting limited theatrical releases this week, getting wider releases later. So the first one is called A Sean the Sheep Movie Farmageddon. And yes, that is the official title, not Farmageddon, a Sean the Sheep movie, but a Sean the Sheep movie, Farmageddon. When an alien with amazing powers crash lands near Mossy Bottom Farm, Sean the Sheep goes on a mission to shepherd the intergalactic visitor home before a sinister organization can capture her. This is an animated movie featuring the voices of British people. That's not getting a wider release until later. The other limited movie is a movie called Bombshell. A group of women decide to take on Fox News head Roger Ailes and the toxic atmosphere he presided over at the network. This stars Margot Robbie from Suicide Squad, Charlize Theron from Mad Max Fury Road, Nicole Kidman from Moulin Rouge, Alice Eve from Star Trek Into Darkness, Kate McKinnon from Rough Night, Jennifer Morrison from Once Upon a Time, Bridget Lundry-Payne from Atypical, Liv Hewson from Santa Clarita Diet, Tricia Helfer from Battlestar Galactica, Connie Britton from Nashville, Allison Janney from Hairspray, and John Lithgow from Third Rock from The Sun. Well, that was the final limited release. All the other movies coming out this week, unless I missed uh, missed a couple, at least look interesting at the at the very least. So without further ado, let us step into the wide releases. Like I said, we'll do four of them, and then we'll get into the next break. So the first movie in the wide release section is called Mob Town. This is a story about the famed meeting of the heads of the mafia in 1957 in upstate Appalachian, New York. Because nothing but normal things happened in upstate New York. This stars David Arquette from Scream, P.J. Byrne from Big Little Lies, Jamie Lynn Siegler from The Sopranos, and Jennifer Esposito from The Boys. This almost made it into the into the limit section. I'm going to be honest, I just think it looks slightly interesting. I think it doesn't look terrible. David Arquette, um, I, I like David Arquette, but for this kind of role, I'm iffy on it because I can't see him play any sort of law enforcement without thinking of Dewey, and whenever I think of Dewey, I think of Doofy, and whenever I think of Doofy, I think of ridiculousness not the Rob Diedrich show, but just ridiculous things. And I, I'm wondering if that would interfere with it or if I can watch this movie with David Arquette, who I do like. But if I go watch this serious movie with David Arquette and, you know, keep thinking about it seriously as it's going on. I know that's me being really unfair. I, I know it is. But I also have to be honest about this. David Arquette is so Grilled into my mind, drilled into my mind as either Dewey or the dude from Eight-Legged Freaks or the main dude from Ready to Rumble. Goofy characters. Okay, quick aside, I I had to look up David Arquette because I thought I got his name in Scream wrong. I was right, it was Dewey. But then I found out he was actually a, a producer on the documentary from last year called Survivor's Guide to Prison. The one Danny Trejo was a poster boy for because, you know, he spent time in prison and he's reformed. And you know what? I think he may think it's a good thing to keep people out of prison and also maybe to prepare them for what they could expect. Anyway, Mob Town doesn't look great. It just doesn't look bad. I I think it looks okay. I think it's promising. And besides, I like about the mob. I think it's equally fascinating and terrifying. And Mob Town gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next up is a film called Seaberg, inspired by real events in the life of French New Wave icon Jean Seberg. And I think it is Jean, because it's not a woman, so I don't think women are called Jean. I don't know. Whatever, Jean Seberg, who in the late 1960s was targeted by Hoover's FBI because of her political and romantic involvement with a civil rights activist named Hakim Jamal. This stars Kristen Stewart from Twilight, Anthony Mackie from Captain America Winter Soldier, Margaret Qualley from The Leftovers, Vince Vaughn from The Wedding Crashers, Stephen Root from Office Space, and Colin Meany from Con Air. And as always, just like with the last movie and this movie, any movie that's based on a true story, you do have to take it with a grain of salt. We'll talk about it later, but the movie Richard Jewell is already coming under huge amounts of fire for its accuracy, and even if a movie claims to be super accurate, you you still have to understand that they're going to take artistic licenses. Look at the extreme example of that movie, The Aeronaut, from a week or two ago, where they took two real events and put them together, so technically something like it happened, but it was vastly different from what actually happened. And then you look at something like Saving Private Ryan, which again kind of happened, but didn't, not the way in the movie. Anne and I just saw the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and it was was good. I'll talk about that between this movie and the next one, but even that, I bet you took some artistic license. That being said, if the basis of the movie is not something that's widely contested, like the basis of this, I haven't heard anything about it, people going, oh no, this is just fake news, blah, 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 I haven't heard anything about that, so I am inclined to believe that yes... Maybe Hoover's FBI looked into this woman just because she was close with, politically and romantically, a member of what I assume is the Black Panthers. So this is one of those movies coming out that show that, oh my god, Kristen Stewart is actually good. We've known this for a while, actually. We've known this for a while after she left uh, after she left mainstream Hollywood to cut her teeth in the indies. We've talked about this before on the show. But now we're seeing her more and more and doing bigger and bigger movies. And seeing that, yes, she can act. It also helps to have source material that's not based just on a piece of wood or a brick wall. Seaburg is one of those movies you watch because you want to see either a movie that's based on true events or you want to see some good actors do good work. You don't really watch this because you want to watch a movie that makes you feel good. Because you know what? I don't think this is going to be a feel-good movie at all. Look, I understand sometimes you go to a movie, even if it's not going to be some happy-go-lucky film, but this movie, there's no way it could end well. We know this. We know that Gene Seberg is dead. And if you didn't know that, spoiler alert, but yeah, spoiler alert for something that happened in the 70s, I think, is when she died. Oh, she actually died. Her, her death was ruled a possible suicide. And her, her second husband, who they, uh, they were married when she died, blames the FBI and her campa- their campaign against her for deteriorating her mental health. So yes, this movie is going to end really well. Fun time had by all. But good performances, it looks like, had by Kristen Stewart and Anthony Mackie. And the others look like, they look like they do a good job too, but just these are the main stars. Seberg gets a 7 out of 11. Next up, folks, we have a film called A Hidden Life. The Austrian Franz Jägerstatter, a conscientious objector, refuses to fight for the Nazis in World War II. And his life is made better for it. No, that's a lie. This stars Matthias Schoenarts from The Danish Girl, Michael Nyquist from John Wick, and Bruno Gans from Unknown, as in the movie Unknown. I just want to point out that Michael Nyquist has been dead for two years now, and he still has movies coming out. Oh, this is his final film. This is his final credit. Wow. And he probably plays a Nazi. Yay. Yay. So I don't think this film is based off any single situation during World War II and any particular conscientious objector. But I think this story is still kind of an example of things that did happen. Because remember, we we always say on the show that one of the bad guys you can always put in a movie and you can slaughter without any thought are nazis but then we also don't like to remember that some of the nazis were forced into it and they didn't want to be there either it doesn't defend what they did it doesn't defend the fact that they still fought the allied forces but just because they didn't agree with hitler and maybe also didn't agree with the final solution makes them a little less evil but then there were people who fully objected went no i ain't gonna do this i'm not gonna fight your war and They were left alone and lived happily ever after. I wish I could say, but no, they were sent to prisons. They were sent to detention camps, internment camps. All that terrible stuff happened to them. So in this movie, we're going to learn about this guy played by Matthias Schoenartz who finds a love of his life, is living a fantastic life in the in the middle of nowhere, Austria. And then guess what? Is called to fight for the motherland, but does not want to. And then after we get to know about him and his wife and the love they have and the wonderful life they had, it all gets taken away. So this movie, this movie alone could potentially be sadder than a back-to-back showing of Boy in the Striped Pajamas and A Monster Calls. Or maybe he gets out. Maybe he does survive and it's just kind of sad. So the possibilities for this are it's just kind of messed up or it's just entirely f***ed up. But ignoring the f- upness of what happened to him what happened to Franz Jägerstatter I think this still looks like a good film this looks like it's beautifully shot it has a fantastic performance from showing arts in it and this is going to be a perfect example of one of those films that's fantastic but not a lot of people watch it because I have not seen this advertised anywhere outside of my purposeful searching for it to do show notes I've not seen and the advertisements for this super indie—I'm pretty sure—and foreign, so it's going to be difficult to see this in theaters. I mean, just last weekend, my local indie theater got a got a indie documentary that I talked about earlier in the year, Uh, some documentary about water, I forgot what it was called. And my uh, movie critic friend at work loved it, thought it was really good. He goes, "Bill, you'd hate this There was no superheroes in it at all. No explosions, no aliens, you'd hate it. But that right there is a reason that movies like this are so hard to find because it's not gonna release everywhere this weekend. Even though this is when the movie releases, that's not really how indie movies work, not always. Not even the ones that are that are actually the people know about those ones that make the news that that actually get some money for advertising even those like movies like what i talk about for showing arts the danish girl movies like that even those don't hit all theaters at one time and that's one of the bo- bonuses of the big studio movies because they put it out there they have the money to put it out there So let's say you right now are sitting at home or in your car or at work or wherever you listen to my show and go, hey, I like the sound of this film. You watch a trailer after hearing me talk about it. You go, hey, this looks like a movie for me. You may be lucky. You may live in an area where you can watch it right away. You may live in one of those places or maybe six months later, your theater will get it and you and you're like, oh, I was supposed to remember something about that film. But that's just some rambling. That actually has nothing to do with the final score, just because I've said everything about it that I feel that it looks beautiful, it looks well acted, it looks like it's a good story, and it looks like it's a moving emotional story. I think this movie is worth your time. And A Hidden Life gets an 8 out of 11. Next up, my future friends, we have a film called Uncut Gems, and it's the final film before the break. A charismatic New York City jeweler, always on the lookout for his next big score, makes a series of high-stakes bets that could lead to the windfall of a lifetime. Howard must perform a precarious high-wire act, balancing business, family, and encroaching adversaries on all sides in his relentless pursuit of the ultimate win. This stars Adam Sandler from The Waterboy, Lakeith Stanfield from Sorry to Bother You, Indina Menzel from, well, Broadway, Eric Gogosian. Eric Gagosian, I think, from Under Siege 2 Dark Territory, and The Weekend, who is a singer. And he should also learn how to spell. He forgot the E. Does he think he's clever by omitting the E? Just like I think I'm clever for the name Billiam. I'm not clever. Many people have come up with that. So once again, I find myself talking about my movie critic friend Dan. Uh, and he one day came up to me and goes, Hey, hey, wow, Bill, have you have you seen the trailer? For that new Adam Sandler movie, it looks f***ing wild, man. I think it looks really good, and I can't wait. And I wondered if he was wondering if hell had frozen over because he was talking about an Adam Sandler movie he wants to see. Now, as a movie critic, he hates any movie that's too fun or enjoyable. But then I watched the trailer, and I agreed with him. This looks really good. This looks like it could nab Adam Sandler an Oscar nomination at the very least. It looks like he does a really good job, and the good news is that, okay, he is playing an unlikable character, in my opinion, but the good news is it's not so dark where it gets like Jake Gyllenhaal and Nightcrawler level dark, where I'm just like, ah, fuck, no, I just gotta get out of here. Just kind of not a great guy, but at the very least, an engaging character where we follow his journey as he balances all these aspects of his life, and then also, how is he making the... Not how is he making the bets, but where do these ideas for the bets come from? Because some of the NBA players for the teams he bets on shop at his jewelry store because they love that bling, including a diamond-encrusted Furby. Talk about must-have accessories for the spring. Diamond-encrusted Furbies, ladies and gentlemen. But here's the thing. I want to see this. Maybe you want to see this now. However, just like A Hidden Life, just like Seaberg, just like Mob Town... These are movies you're going to have to wait for. So this is a great movie to put on your list of movies you can watch in the future, just because I don't think Uncut Gems is getting a wide release at all. I think this is going to be a super limited release, releasing slowly through indie theaters. Will your local Regal, AMC, Cinelux, one of those theaters get this? Probably not. But remember, folks, if you want to see it enough, there is a way either you just wait till it comes to your local theater or you just wait for it to hit streaming or just buy it. Uncut Gems looks good and it looks like Adam Sandler's best performance ever. So put on your yarmulkes. Here comes Hanukkah. Uncut Gems gets an 8.5 out of 11. Well, my future friends, that is it for the first part of the wide releases, so let us take a short break, and we'll be right back after a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. Please stay tuned.
1: There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach wall-to-wall filthy fucking language
0: go to a grocery store i'm like i know exactly what i need i get in there I'm like yeah, <laughs> the yeah did i even come here for
1: with our charity swear jar every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction
0: the motherfucker's a mouth breather
1: gaming movies life musings it's all here served on a bed of and garnished with a crown of shut the fuck up how the fuck did we get here fuck all that a jelly bean so if you want to hear us do good things with bad words check out the watch your mouth podcast on i ITunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wimpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth.
0: And we're back with a film called Richard Jewell." American security Guard Richard Jewell saves thousands of lives from an exploding bomb at the 1996 Olympics, but is vilified by journalists and the press who falsely report that he was a terrorist. This is a Clint Eastwood film starring Paul Walter Hauser from Cobra Kai. Sam Rockwell from Moon, Olivia Wilde from Tron Legacy, John Hamm from Baby Driver, Kathy Bates from Misery, and Nina Nina Arianda from Billions. So have you heard about the controversy regarding this film, or the controversies? There are two of them. So first let's talk about the stupider of the two, the first controversy is that this is a pro-Trump movie. Of course, because it's talking about the vilification of a white guy by the press. Oh no, Donald Trump supporters made this movie. Or you can not be an idiot and not read that much into this. So it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty hard for me to keep my to talk about this and not put my political bias. And it's but I'm going to try my best. There are people out there that believe this movie showing this this man being falsely accused by by a specific newspaper, but actually newspapers in general and the news in general being falsely accused of a terrorist act is a representation of Donald Trump being attacked by the fake news. And thus, it's trying to promote Donald Trump and show that, oh, yes, all these people, all this news is fake news. Don't listen to them. Love our president. So I don't know how Clint Eastwood feels about Donald Trump. I do not know. I I believe, if I remember right, that Clint Eastwood is a Republican. But just because you're a Republican doesn't mean you like the guy. But even then... Let's say that Clint Eastwood is a, has a MAGA hat wearing Trump supporter. Let's say that. This movie still focuses mainly on one particular news outlet and their story, one particular newspaper and their story on Richard Jewell that sparked this. And it was an FBI investigation that started it. So while I can see how some of these people who have a problem with this I, I can see how they came to that conclusion i just think it's a stretch i personally believe that uh, fake news is a very dangerous thing to say because it, it it is usually used by people to talk about news that doesn't agree with their views or talks badly about them if it was a term only used four news outlets that 100% fabricated stuff and we could prove it, then that'd be one thing. But now it's been kind of used by a lot of people as a way of saying, oh, I don't agree with this, so it's fake. It's fake news. But this movie is based on a specific and documented case of the vilification of someone by a news organization or maybe not an organization, just a single newspaper, but they got their information from the FBI. So I think if people are going to compare this to a uh, to a movie that, that shows some sort of support of Trump, they're gonna do it anyway. No amount of reason is going to stop it. Just like in the same vein, I truly believe that if a movie like this came out that the sides were swapped, where the news was right and this guy was was guilty, but he was trying to to denounce it as fake news. I bet you anything that the other side that the Republicans then would stand up and go, oh, we're going to get all angry about this because both sides bitch about everything. Please remember this. No matter what side you're on, your side sucks. The side I'm on sucks. I understand that, but we can't always look at a movie like this and then try to put our own political beliefs into it. We have to take it as it is. So let's get off this topic. Let's talk about the second thing, the second controversy around this, and it's regarding Olivia Wilde's character who is based on a real, oh, it's not just based on, it's actually named after the person named Kathy Scruggs because the trailer and thus the movie implies that she used sex to get a story. So the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which is the the paper she worked for, is now outraged, asking for either an apology or a little blurb before or after the movie saying that artistic license was taken, but Warner Brothers has doubled down on this, saying that The film is based on a wide range of highly credible source material, and they also said that it is unfortunate and the ultimate irony that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, having been a part of the rush to judgment of Richard Jewell, is now trying to malign our filmmakers and cast. Richard Jewell focuses on the real victim, seeks to tell his story, confirm his innocence, and restore his name. The Journal Constitution's claims are baseless, and we will vigorously defend against them. Olivia Wilde also defended this, saying that I think people have a hard time accepting sexuality in a female character without allowing it to entirely define that character. So yay, a movie out there that is full of drama before it even came out. I cannot wait. But I actually do want to see this. This is a Clint Eastwood film. He is a reliable filmmaker. This does look good. It is interesting because now I know more. I'm more aware than I was in 1996. I was 13 years old in 1996, and I wasn't very um, active when it came to paying attention to the news and up with current events. I knew, of course, about the bombings. I knew about Richard Jewell, but I didn't know everything behind it. And now I get to see some of it on the big screen, directed by Clint Eastwood. I think this looks like a good movie. And I think anyone, despite what side of the aisle they're on, anyone trying to push anything regarding President Trump into this movie needs to get their f-ing head cleared. And that too, also going to this movie, remembering that biopics and, uh, and movies about real events should always be taken with a grain of salt, regardless of the truth and any proof behind the claims Regarding the uh, the uh, character that Olivia Wilde plays, so we already spent too much time talking about this. Most about the news regarding it, but I wanted to talk about that news here instead of during the news segment. So let us wrap this all up just by saying I think this looks like a good film. This is something to definitely watch one day. I don't think this is a theater watch unless you're a big Clint Eastwood fan or unless the the bigger movie this week doesn't interest you. If that's the case. Check this out because Richard Jewell gets an eight out of eleven. Next up, we move on to a movie called The Death and Life of John F. Donovan. A decade after the death of an American television star, a young actor reminisces about the written correspondence he shared with him, as well as the impact those letters had on both of their lives. This stars Kit Harington from Game of Thrones, Natalie Portman from Star Wars, the prequels, Jacob Tremblay from Wonder, Susan Sarandon from Thelma and Louise, Kathy Bates from Dolores Claiborne, Fandie Newton from Westworld, Michael Gambon from Harry Potter, and the hidden gem, the true star of the movie, Jared Kiso from Letterkenny. Even if this movie didn't look interesting, I'd probably watch it anyway because Jared Kiso's in it. That's all I need to know. Wayne slash Shorzy is in this film. Yay. Uh, but in all honesty, this film looks interesting. Uh, you may have remembered me talking about this when the trailer first came out, not too long ago, really. But this film is about Kit Harrington playing this famous American television star, Jacob Tremblay. At the time, who is a child who is a huge fan of the kid or the, of the the kid of the actor, and writes him, gets a letter back, and the two actually start a correspondence. Kit Harrington's character opens up to this kid, and they they actually have a a, a true friendship. It seems, but now it's years later. Kit Harrington's character is dead. Jacob Trimbley is grown up and is now played by I forgot to mention him, Ben Schnetzer from the book thief but things weren't easy for this kid because it did come out that john donovan had a pen pal that was a little kid so first no one believed the kid called him a liar goes you're a filthy little liar his mom's like oh you've been lying for years and the kid said well no i just didn't want to tell anyone which makes me wonder how does the mother not know that the kid is getting letters from someone doesn't isn't she the one that checks the mail does he did he every single time check the mail first but anyway So then it came out that John Donovan was writing this kid. So people are like, oh, you have a pen pal who's a little kid. Isn't that kind of weird? And now it's years later and this kid has to figure out, does he want to share the letters? Because Donovan left it up to him. So I think this looks like a good film. It has a good cast. It could potentially be very uncomfortable, but also very touching that we have this actor, this huge actor, super famous. Everyone loves him. But the only person that really gets him is this kid, because he just writes to this kid. So this seems like a very interesting, very unique story, and I can't wait to watch it one day. The death and life of John F. Donovan gets a 7.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a film that didn't really need to be made, but it was anyway. It's called Black Christmas. A group of female students are stalked by a stranger during their Christmas break, that is until the young sorority pledges discover that the killer is part of an underground college conspiracy. The stars Imogen Poots from Green Room, Carrie Elwes from Saw, Lily Donahue from Dirty John, Brittany O'Grady from Star, and Alice Shannon from the 2018 version of Charmed. So yeah, an, an all-star cast there. Um, this doesn't look bad, but it also doesn't look good. This this is a movie that never needed to be remade. It was already remade once. Perfectly, Anne adds, but I still ask the question... Why did it need to be remade in the first place? Whether or not it turned out well, it I, I still wonder why. Who looked at that and goes, I know it should be remade, Black Christmas. So I wonder now, who was sitting at a desk and says, I know what needs to be remade again, Black Christmas, and actually brought up a good point. It's that there is now a person of color in the series, but that is not enough of a reason to remake it. That being said, still, it doesn't look bad, but it also doesn't look good. This looks, eh. This looks like a movie that you don't need to see. Watch the original. Watch the remake. Or the first remake. Do one of those instead. Unless you're an amazingly huge fan of Imogen Poots, I would skip this. I'm just a fan of Imogen Poots because she has a funny name and it makes me smile. But otherwise, I'm going to skip this. Black Christmas gets a 5.5 out of 11. All right, two movies left, folks. The next movie is called Six Underground. Six untraceable agents totally off the grid have buried their past so they can change the future. This stars Ryan Reynolds from Deadpool, Adria Arjona from Good Omens, Melanie Laurent from Now You See Me, Dave Franco from Now You See Me, ben hardy from bohemian rhapsody and sebastian roach from the man in high castle and do you remember this folks do you remember when i talked about this because i said it made history as the first time in my adult life that i have said i want to see this michael bay movie that's right hollywood's very own malignant tumor made a movie that i want to see because this looks like stupid funny mindless action that has a really good cast. but Of course, all they really needed was Ryan Reynolds. The rest of the people, whatever. They have Ryan Reynolds. That's all I need to know. But the good news is that this is a Netflix original movie, so you can watch this the minute it drops. You don't need to spend a dime on it, besides some snacks, unless you already have popcorn in your house, in which case, yay, you have it all. That's everything you need. And I don't think you'd be disappointed. I think if you go into this realizing you're just gonna watch an off the wall action movie, you should be happy with the results. Just like the pick of the week, you have to go into it with the right mindset. But of course, with movies like this one and the pick of the week, if you go into it with a mindset other than, I just want to have fun, you are doing it wrong and need to get your head checked. Six Underground would have been the pick of the week if it came out last week. It would have been the pick of the week if it came out, I think next week? Nope, that was wrong, definitely not next week. But Six Underground could have been the pick of the week if the next movie didn't come out. And the next movie made it his pick of the week just because it's so fun, so ridiculous, so enjoyable. Just like Six Underground, but more so. If you want to watch a better quality movie, maybe. If you want to watch something that you can raise your pinky as you drink your wine and say you're watching cinema. Then maybe watch Richard Jewell, Death uh, Death and Life of John F. Donovan, Uncut Gems, Hidden Life. Watch any of those. But for fun. For enjoyment, watch Six Underground or the next film. Six Underground gets a 9 out of 11. And next up, folks, is the pick of the week, so say it with me. The pick of the week is called Jumanji, the next level. The gang is back, but the game has changed as they return to rescue one of their own. The players will have to brave parts unknown from arid deserts to snowy mountains to escape the world's most dangerous game. This stars Dwayne Johnson from Rampage, Karen Gillen from Avengers Endgame, Jack Black from School of Rock, Kevin Hart from Central Intelligence, Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon, Danny DeVito from Batman Returns, Nick Jonas from Camp Rock, Aquafina from Ocean's Eight, Madison Iceman from Annabelle Comes Home, Colin Hanks from Orange County, Alex Wolf from Hereditary, Morgan Turner from Wonderstruck, and Reese Darby from Flight of the Concords. And I think it's interesting that some of these actors have worked together before, not just on the first Jumanji movie, but other films. Like Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart were in Central Intelligence, and um, Jack Black and Colin Hanks were in Orange County. Not terribly important to know, just fun. But here we go. This is the film that I let pass by when it came out. When it came out, I did think it looked funny, but I never saw the first one. It wasn't until uh, a year later that I watched it and loved it. Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, knew exactly what to do. It took a movie that never really needed a sequel, and then it proved to me why it should exist. It was so much fun, and also, it paid homage to the original, but was its own thing. So, it didn't try to be the original. It didn't try to be a true direct sequel. It was truly its own thing, and they did a great job with it. And it was it was just mindless fun. I laughed so much. I was invested in this. I cared. It was funny. It was over the top. It was everything I wanted in a movie like this. And now they're doing it again, and it looks like it's the, more of the same, which is what we expect, which is what we should want from things like this. You know, I do want challenging movies. I do want unique and, and new movies. I do want movies that make me go, wow, that was an experience. I saw this. I was on an emotional journey. But then I also want movies that make me laugh, that just make me excited, that make me happy. And that's what this is. If you don't like this film, if you didn't like the last one, if you didn't even give it a chance, do you hate fun? Yes. No, I'm kidding. It could just not be your thing, and that's fine. But I think for a lot of people, this is their thing. I think this is just pure enjoyment. Let's mention him for a third time this episode. Dan, the former film critic, I don't think this is his thing. I don't think he'll ever watch it. And I won't fault him for that. It's just not his bag. For me, for a lot of you, sure, this is the film to watch. This is fun. This is one of the reasons cinema exists. This is a perfect example of why I have an issue with all the people who hate on Marvel. It's because films like Jumanji exist too, which also don't fall into what Martin Scorsese and all these other people think movies should be. But it, they are. They are what movies should be. It is a story being told to me on the silver screen. It is something that I can sit back and enjoy something that makes me feel something, something I'm connected to, and just because it's never going to be nominated for for an Oscar outside of maybe special effects related, that doesn't mean it's not good. I think too many critics, I think too many people out there have such a very narrow definition of what good is, and this should be on the definition of good for a lot of people, because it's just enjoyment, it's just pleasure, it's just laughter, it's just excitement, just like the new Star Wars movie. Are the new ones even close to the originals? No, but it's fun. They're good films. They're not great. They're not going to go down in history. They're not going to make it in the Library of Congress list of movies. They're not going to be sent into space in on some golden record one day. But these are films we can watch now, that we can own now and we can just smile and enjoy it and that no matter what's going on in your life whether your life is good whether your life isn't great but for this short amount of time everything is okay i love movies films like uncut gems and a hidden life they're one of those reasons movies like six underground and jumanji that's another reason this is a perfect example of a theater watch movie because it is flashy enough that the big screen will really do it justice and it's just fun jumanji the next level gets a 10 out of 11 and with that my future friends let us jump into the question of the week and then i will send you along your way to the other great shows in the somewhat nerdy podcast network after this word from our good good friends at the we're doing fine podcast with robbie and lisa which fun fact is a love island fan podcast
1: stay tuned hi i'm lisa and i'm robbie and we host a show called we're We're doing doing fine. fine we're friends from across the ocean i'm from scotland and i'm from california join us every week as we chat about biscuits you mean cookies brexit whatever's going on here who knows almost dying Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all
0: living in. Because
1: we're We're doing fine.
0: And we're back. We are back with the question of the week. And if you need a reminder, the question of the week was, what Christmas movie kicks off the holiday season for you? And if you don't have a regular one, which one will you or have you watched? First, this year. Let's go to our first answer, which comes from our good friend Fratmat, who says, Elf, always. To which Anne replied, But that's a Christmas Eve movie. We all have our traditions. And then Fratmat agreed with me the new Bond trailer looks freaking great, and right, I'm so glad. That a trailer came out that I wanted to see that made me excited because that first teaser looked awful, and then they released this trailer, and I'm I am sold now. But Elf Elf is a great Christmas movie, and I think that assuming you're a late Gen X, early Gen Wire, it's our generation's it's our generation's Christmas movie. It's what we grew up with. And it hasn't really been topped. A lot of great Christmas movies have come out, but nothing at the level of Elf. And maybe one year, another movie will come out that will at least reach Elf level. But for now, no. It's time for Anne's answer. And her answer is Thomas Kincaid's Christmas Cottage. I laugh because of the goofy name. But this was a movie she got because it was cheap and they wanted to add movies to their Christmas collection when she still lived in the UK. But this actually has not a bad cast. Uh, Jared Padalecki, Marsha Gay Harden, Peter O'Toole, Aaron Ashmore, Chris Elliott, and Ed Asner. Like, that is not bad for a cheesy, straight-to-DVD-worthy-looking movie. Apparently, this is actually based on Thomas Kincaid's life. Uh, Aunt, what Ann told me made me look it up. And Jared Padalecki plays Thomas Kincaid. And this is a look at the inspiration behind Thomas Kincaid's painting, The Christmas Cottage and how the artist was motivated to begin his career after discovering his mother was in danger of losing their family home. I once took an art history class, and the teacher made a Thomas Kincaid joke, and people laughed, and then she went and said, but look, it's still art. There is nothing wrong with liking a painting of a pretty co- a pretty cottage. Just because it's a, like some mass-produced work of art doesn't not make it art. So I was really surprised that this, that this artist was like defending Thomas Kincaid. Okay, but anyway, that was Anne's answer, and my answer, I actually don't have a movie that kicks off the season. I, I never had one. I always watched the same movies, but I never started with the same one. So this year, Anne and I, I'll talk about what we watched this year, Anne and I watched The Holiday first, because as far as a, as a holiday movie goes, The Holiday doesn't have much of The Holiday in it. How many times can I say holiday? One of Anne's complaints is it doesn't actually have Christmas Day in it. I do love Christmas movies. I love the cheesy ones. We have watched some cheesy films, and they're great because it's it's a season. It's a holiday season, man. Come on. Okay, to appease my wife, if my cats got a vote to answer this, they would say the Grumpy Cat Christmas Special, which is so cheesy. But folks, this is when I'm going to be honest with you. I might actually take a three-week hiatus. Uh, I I was thinking about taking next week off because it's leading up to the holiday, but then we were also thinking that maybe I could just talk about the movies for the next couple weeks and skip the news and trailers, so there may be an episode next week, there may not. For a fact, there will not be an episode the week of the 27th, because that's Christmas week, and the week of the 3rd, because that's New Year's week. So don't be surprised if you don't hear from me next week, or don't be surprised if you hear a episode that doesn't follow the usual routine. So let me leave you with a holiday-themed question of the week, and let me say this: If you could have any movie for Christmas, what would it be? And you can answer literally, like like there's this movie that you've been wanting that's actually available on Amazon, and someone can really buy it for you, or you can say the fabled Zach Snyder's cut of Justice League. You can talk about the the hidden movie of Buster Keaton that was rumored to exist. I don't care. Whatever would make you happy to get on Christmas, what would it be, movie-wise? Well, that is it for episode 159 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Next time I see you, be it next week or the week of the 10th, it will be episode 160. So let's just move on with the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as any podcast app. You can also find me on the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. All the stars possible. And then share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts, which are also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Support the friends of the shows whose ads you've heard during this episode. And don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.